So glad you're here. You know, we, um, we started last week. You know, we, if you look on your bulletin cover, it's called Real, Real Life, Real Challenges, Real People, and Real Answers. I, did, I messed that up. Real Life, Real People, Real Challenges, Real Answers. And what this all is about is about the Bible. And what we're going to be doing over the next however long, we're going to story through the Bible. We're going to go through the Bible and hit up on the key stories, just key stories in the Bible, starting with the book of Genesis, we're going to work our way through, and at the, end of, you know, at the end of our time here, you know, we won't go you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, but you'll have a really good idea of how the, Bible's, how the Bible flows, and, and you'll have a greater appreciation. I think when you read the Bible, you're more excited and, and knowledgeable about how the Bible is working. So that's what we'll be doing. That's why we call it real life, real people, real challenges, and real answers, because that's what the Bible is all about. The Bible is about real life. It's about real people. The people that we read about in the Bible, the stories we read about, they're not like works of fiction. They're like real stories, real people who go through challenges like we go through. And then God gives real answers. And that's what the Bible is all about. And that's why we're really excited about that. And again, you can follow along in the bulletin. You know, there are notes and then there'll be small group discussion questions if you're in a small group, we want to encourage you to get in a small group, and maybe you might want to even start a small group. So we're really, really excited about that. Um, you know, there's someone here, Sonny Oliveris is here because, you know, in second service, you know, he wants to get home because he wants to watch the Super Bowl. And I keep telling Sonny, and I tell you, there's no Super Bowl this year. And there won't be a Super Bowl for a long time, as long as the 49ers play the way they play. There will never be a Super Bowl. And... And I'm going to keep up my tradition. My tradition has been, because there's no Super Bowl, I just wash and polish my car. You know, that's what I do. So I, probably that's what I'll be doing today is wash and polishing my car. And, you know, it's fun. You can go to the mall today, and it's going to be, like, empty, you know, stuff like that. And I'll be thinking of Sonny as he's slaving away, cooking your ribs for your Super Bowl party. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised none of you all are... Carolina fans, you know, that's kind of interesting. You know, one of our people, Justin um, Pinocchio and Mirasol, they're, they're at the Super Bowl right now. They got, like, tickets to go to the Super Bowl, you know. And, uh, you know, I thought, I don't know how much Mirasol is a fan of football. I mean, he could have taken me, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, you got to appreciate stuff like that. But... Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, you know, I'm really, really, really excited about what God has led us to, and, and we're going to be really getting into the Bible, and we're going to story our way through. So excited about that. I want to encourage you, you know, bring your Bibles, whether it be on your phone or Bible. If you need a Bible, come see me after, and you know, at Logos Bookstore with Kai, just like the greatest place. It's got a Bible for, for everybody and everything, and so... Uh, you might want to do that. But, you know, there was this movie that came out a few years ago, maybe, what, about seven years ago now. And it's a movie called Wally, right? And Wally is about this lonely robot who, for about 700 years, right, that he's been on this abandoned planet just cleaning up all the, cra- uh, the trash that was left behind. <laughs> I didn't say what you thought I said. <laughs> And, and, you know, it just was, it was a mess. And he just, every day, he just collects all kinds of trash. And I, I didn't know this because I never really, I watched the movie, but it's like, 
you know, I'm kind of ADD, so I, I like to watch movies and do other things at the same time, right? And WALL-E stands for Waste. You guys, do you guys know what WALL-E stands for? Nobody knows what WALL-E stands for. Waste, allocation, sounds familiar? Come on, Jason, you know. Waste, allocation, what? Load, litter, earth, class. Rings a bell? No. Well, that's what WALL-E stands for. And while we're never told so, really, uh, he's probably like the last robot there, you know, operating robot. And we're going to look at a scene where, where Wally is, um, he arrives home, you know, pops in a movie in a, in a VCR. I guess he had VCRs where he was. And uh, he goes about his typical business until something captures his attention. You know, they're on the screen, and there's this man and this woman, and they're walking through a park, they're singing to each other, and it's a moment filled with love and, and romance, and, and the words of their song seem to resonate deeply with him, and he presses a button to record all that. And uh, as they sing, you know, it, on, it only took a moment. You know, the whole deal is we were not meant to be alone. <clears throat> you know, we just weren't. You know, many people struggle with loneliness and, and being alone, you know, from robots to the rich and the famous, to the poor and to the unknown, it really doesn't matter. You know, that we weren't created to be alone, you know. Uh, here's some people who have been really honest about loneliness. You know, actress Anne Hathaway said, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. That's a true statement. Um, Albert Einstein, you know, he once said, it's strange to be known so universally, yet be so lonely. Ernest Hemingway, you know, the writer, says, I live in a vacuum that is so lonely as a radio tube when the batteries are dead and there's no current to plug into. And uh, Marilyn Monroe said once, um, sometimes I think the only people who stay with me and really listen are people I hire, people I pay. You know? and, and nobody, nobody likes being alone. And, and something that God has put on my heart as we've been going through this creation story is that, is that in his power, in his creativity, and in his order of all things coming into existence, he didn't create people to be alone. That there's something very relational. That there's something very interpersonal that God had in mind. And as we continue to look at this creation story, we're going to see just how much, just how much God loves us and he creates us to be in community. That he creates us to be in fellowship with him and with other people. Uh, last week, you know, we looked how God always existed. Um, we saw that at the beginning, there was just God. You know, that's how the Bible starts. In the beginning, God. There was nothing there. And everything came into existence through his spoken word. And we saw a demonstration of his power. But just by his word, everything that has been created has been created. Uh, we also saw how um, there is a great uh, creativity and, and how he systematically brought things into existence, right? Start with a light, and he just systematically, it wasn't just at random willy-nilly put things together, but it was systematically put together. And that we can be encouraged because, because, because God personally and thoughtfully created you. That you weren't just like, ah, oh, and just created something. That you were thought about. 
that you were personally thought about and that you were thoughtfully created and that we have this God-designed purpose for our lives. You know, that's something that, that continually, I just keep praying for God, man, walk in your purpose for my life, you know. And uh, what we're going to look at today is that we're going to focus in on the creation of humankind. And as we continue on, we're going to look to see that God really and truly did create us to live in community. God didn't create us to be alone. That from the very beginning, there's something really personal, relational in his design. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, you can follow along, open your Bibles to that. Uh, there'll be um, notes up there on the screen, notes in your bulletin to, to fill in the blanks and stuff. But we start here. So this is the creation of this is the account of the creation of heaven and on and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. The Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came from the ground and watered all the land. And then the Lord God Form man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man became a living person. And when we look at this, and we look at this amazing thing, is at the heart of God's plan that He created humans so that He could personally be involved with their lives. That He didn't have to, He wasn't forced to, but He just wanted to. That that it was personal to God, you know? And when we look at God's original plan for humankind, there's some things that we can see that kind of stand out. First one is this. God personally involved, you know, when we look at the original plan, God was personally involved in the lives of people. That God was personally involved. When we look at the beginning and we see God's design for how things were supposed to work and how he, you know, ideally it was to work, that we see front and center that God was personally involved in the lives of people. As we go down to chapter, eight, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 8, we read this. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed man, the man that he made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees, grow up from the ground, trees that are beautiful, produce delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what we see is it's just garden. And it's this lush, and that word there is, it talks about not just this little garden that you have in your yard, and thing, but it's like, you know, one of those botanical gardens, you know, foster botanical gardens, or out there in Manoa. I forgot the name of the one in Manoa. What is that one called? Yeah, Lion Arboretum. Yeah, that place, you know, and things like that. And all oh, this lush, wonderful place. And he didn't just drop. Uh, creating this drop man somewhere. You know, it's like, hey, where shall I put man? Right there. No, he intentionally placed man where God himself could be with him and that he could relate to him. It was intentional and it was personal. And then we look, you know, further on, if you look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, you know, it talks about how when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. That was something that he did. He would walk and he would talk with them and he would be in communion with them. And it was just this really beautiful place that God created. He said, I'm going to put man there. And there he was to commune with him. And we were created to be in community with God. We see this personal, ongoing relationship 
between God and people. The only creation, the only beings in creation that were created, we talked about it last week, that were created in his image. And we just see that, that there was a relationship there. And again, it wasn't something that he needed to do, right? He could have just created everything and just sat from afar and just watched how it went and looked, oh yeah, that's nice. But he was personally involved. And we were created to have this personal relationship with God Almighty. And then James says something really incredible, right? We're talking about the God who created the whole universe. This is God Almighty we're talking about. And James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And what does it say? And he was even called the friend of God. I mean, isn't that incredible? That, that part of God's design was, wasn't just to be a creature in creation. We weren't created to be robots or for God to use somehow. But, but we were created, as crazy as it sounds, to have friendship with Almighty God. That, that we can have a friendship, this ongoing relationship where we are in fellowship with him and it brings God pleasure to be in relationship with us. So much so that in an area we don't always think about, you know, and we don't think about like, oh, you know, you know we don't maybe necessarily think about God in this area. It really might surprise you that as we look at God's original plan for humankind, we see this that work, the second point, work as an act of worship to God. That work is an act of worship to God. And we don't think about work and God. Maybe we should. We, we should. We don't. Maybe we should a lot more. That work was part of God's design. And work was an act of worship. In verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of the of the fruit of every tree in the garden except one, which is what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And the Hebrew words for tend and watch over were more often used, it was regularly used for um, in the service to God than it was in agriculture. It wasn't like an agricultural word where it's like, okay, we work the farm. We do. No, it was used in the service of God. In the temple, uh, talks about whenever there was service to God, they would use those words. And so what we see was that God placed them there, and it wasn't just to toil and to work and to sweat and to earn a living and all that. It really was an act of worship to God. It was a way that they would continually connect with God, that they were doing it for God, that um, it was an act of worship. And, and work, was, work was more than just labor. And then when you kind of think about it today, you know, what would work be like for you if you, if you decided that work was going to be an act of worship to God? Would it change anything? You know, would it change the way you approach your work day? Would it change the way you view your boss? Would it change the way you, you operate and, and, and the, you know, the, the tasks that you do, your attitude? Would it change anything? Because if we go back and we look at work as worship, it should change everything. And that's something to think about. And the other thing is this. You know, that's why 
it's really a great benefit to get involved in a ministry here. You may start here. And, and all our ministries here, we really focus in. This is an act of worship. And see, the thing is, you know, when we prepare messages as pastors and things like that, the coolest thing about that is for that time in which we're getting into the Word and trying to prepare and sense what God wants us to say, you know, God is saying, man, I love that time because I have your full attention. And it's not about just coming up with a message. It's about communing and being in community with God. And at the end, you can talk to Pastor Max about it and others, you know, we get so much just from preparing this because we spend all this time in community with God. Because work is an act of worship. Now, just a side note, all right? It talked about that tree, and, and sometimes we wonder, why would God put a tree in this middle of this beautiful garden and say, you know, you can eat it from all the trees, but you can't eat from that one? Why would he do that, right? Because if you're like, most humans, right? It's like your focus is not on all the wonderful trees you can eat, right? It's on the one that you cannot, you know? And I thought, man, God, why would you do that? Now, the Bible doesn't say, and that probably be one of the first, well, maybe top ten questions that I ask God when I see him in heaven, you know? But, but here's, here's one theory, all right? This is my theory, okay? So it's not from the Bible or anything like that, but this is what I, I think. When God created man, he created man and, you know, in his image. One of the things that cannot be created, really, because it comes through time, is character. Right? Character comes through time. And I think God was building character. You know? And that's what happens with us. When we walk day in, day out, and when we choose to do right and when we choose not to do wrong, what we're doing is we're growing in character. Right? We walk past, oh, no, and, you know, we, we do that. And, and I think, perhaps, maybe that was part of that reason. So that these sinless human beings, created in God's image, could grow in their character because they had free will. They weren't robots. They weren't Wally, right? And every time they would walk past, they said, hey, not that one, right? No, not that one. And they would walk past. They made a decision. They made a choice to do what was right. And so I kind of think that might be part of the reason. And so if you get to heaven before me, you ask God and then, you know, it says, yeah, Mark was right. Look, that's what it was, you know. But work really is an act of worship. And so I want to encourage you, you know, tomorrow when you head off to work, you just stop and say, you know, work is an act of worship to God. And just go and say, God, will you help me to approach my job in such a way, you know? And so when you go to lunch, work is worship. And so if your lunch break is an hour, you're not coming back in an hour and 15, right? You're going you're gonna to take that hour, you know? When the afternoon comes and it's about 3 o'clock, you're looking at that clock, and oh, my gosh, you know, you're going to work extra hard, not for your boss or for yourself, but you're going to do it as an act of worship. And as, if you're a teacher like some of you are, and in the afternoon class, after lunch, when your students are like zombieing out, right, you're, gonna, you're not going to get all light. You're going to say, well, work is an act of worship to God. And you're going to thank Him for all your sleeping students. I mean, that's what I do when I see you all sleeping. You know, I, I'm just... <laughs> it's 
first or second service, you know, but yeah, you know, I mean, work is an act of worship. When we see, when we see God, original plan for humankind, we also see that, that life is to be lived out in community. That life is to be lived out in community. What we've been talking, not to be alone. That in Genesis 2, verse 18, we read this. The Lord God said, man, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and he chose a name for each one. Dog. Oh, skunk. You know, and it's just on and on. He gave names, right? And, and, and he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was not, no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's rib, closed up the opening, and the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last! The man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. So, skunk, no, I don't like the skunk. Cow, mm, no, no cow. She, no, not, no, rattles, no. And then, you know, dog went by and dog's pretty good. I might name him man's best friend, but uh, not the same. And on, cats, oh no, no cats. And and you look, and they said, none here. And then here, you know, sees woman, and said, that's it, right? And that's kind of how it was. And you married men, you kind of know that. When you saw your wife, said, that's the one, right? That's the one. That's the one for me. And all of a sudden, you started polishing your car and washing, you know, all that stuff. Because that's the one. You knew that was the one. And, and what we see is God purposely filled his creation. And, and as he looked, he said something. And what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. And when you read the account of, of creation, he never says that, right? He says, it was good. He made the light, man, it was good. You know, he separated the water, that was good. When man was created, that was really, really good, you know? But for the first time we read, God said, man, that's not good for man to be alone. And so what he did was, and you know, he... He created a helper. Now, side note again. When we see this, especially for you men types, okay? The word helper is not a subservient word, all right? It's not as though woman is to be the helper, and here's the man, and the man needs a helper, all right? That's not really what that word is all about. That's not that kind of word. I'll give you a for instance, all right? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, it says, so we can say with confidence that the Lord is my helper, all right? The Lord is my helper, and so that I will have no fear. What can man, uh, what can mere people do to me? Now, it would be very silly to say that God is a subservient, has a subservient role in our lives. He's there to help. In the same way, God created women, and women in this case, to help and to be a partner and to help other men. That they were to live in community. It wasn't to live in slavery or servanthood. You know, uh, that's not why. It was to help, to be a partner, to live in community with. All right? So um, hopefully, you know, some of the things I say sometimes, you know, I hope that helps 
that earned me some points with you women types, all right? That, you know, <coughs> I've talked about how you should be in the kitchen and all. I'm just playing, all right? But hopefully I, I got some points there. But the Bible always portrays women as equal in value and, in, you know, as, as, uh, as a man is. It's not like that. And God created another human, a woman, to be there with man because it was not good for man to be alone. And we look, in the real general sense, God's design is not for people to be alone, but to be in community with one another. That there was something that was necessary, that nothing in all of creation could satisfy. That, that, that we were meant to live in community with each other. And that's why it's really important that we gather together here, that we're, we're here in community. And together we worship God. See, and sometimes, you know, people come to service and you come to service and it's like, I really hope I get something today. You know, who's speaking? Oh, Mark's speaking. Oh, man, I hope I get something. You know, I hope I get fed, you know, right? And, and here's the thing. Maybe, you know, part of the reason you're here to think about, just to think about, maybe part of the reason you're here is to bless someone else and to be a blessing Maybe, maybe God's going to use you in a real personal and, and strategic way in someone else's life. And maybe it's not so much that you come here to get something, but maybe it's to come here to be a part of something, and God's going to use you to give something to someone else. I mean, there are times, I'm going to tell you, that, that, you know, um, that you folks encourage me so much, you know. And, and, and just by being here, you know, Matt Rockholm, look, he's leaning forward, he's listening, he's awake. Man, that encourages me, encourages me so much, man. I mean, he's taking notes. I mean, he'll come up after us and say, Mark, that was like the greatest message ever, you know? And, you know, like, that's an encouragement. You know, last week, someone in the second service said, hey, Mark, you know what? Normally it's good, but you hit that one out of the park. You know, that was an encouragement to me, you know? And, and, and we all need encouragement, Right? Even pastors need encouragement. If you cut me, do I not bleed? You know, if you punch it, do I not bruise? I mean, you know, you know I have feelings too. You know, just, anyway, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we all, sort of. But, but, we all, but we all need each other. And maybe you're here today and part of the purpose you're here to bless someone else. You know, to bless someone else. Because we were created to live in community. And that's why it's so important that we gather together here, you know, it, 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 it's so important because there's something more than a vertical connection with God that we need to make. That there needs to be that horizontal connection that we make with one another as well. And that is why our small groups and small groups are so valuable because here we can just do so much, right? But in small groups, we can do life together. You know, that you can do life together. I want to encourage you you know, to get involved in one of those, all right? Fourth thing is when we see God's original plan for mankind, we see that marriage is really a spiritual union that's established by God. Marriage is the spiritual union that was established by God, all right? In verse 24, Genesis goes on to say, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. And marriage at its essence really 
is not a living arrangement between two people. It is not a civil union. It is not some man-made relationship where two people enter into. That the creation story tells us that God himself established this marriage relationship and it's a spiritual union. There's something spiritual that happens through the power of God that where two individual lives actually become one flesh. See, there's something spiritual that happens. That when you get married, it's not just this living agreement and we're like two partners and we're living our life. No, there's something spiritual that that God created that two become one flesh. And if you've been married long enough, you begin to see that that is kind of true. Right? That is really true. How you see it functioning in life. You know how people say, when, they, when two people are married, they begin to look like each other, like themselves. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, and, and it's, you, know, you, you can finish each other's sentences. You know, and, and there is a oneness. And it isn't just because two people have lived together for such a long time. No, there's this spiritual union where two lives become one. And, and that's what marriage is. Marriage really is really an ultimate union where a man and a woman are spiritually united in a relationship that is characterized by intimacy and openness. They weren't shame. They're naked. They weren't shame. There was nothing between them. You know, this total, you know, just an openness and an intimacy between those two people. And that's what God is talking about. If you're married, God designed for you is more than just cohabitating, right? It's more than that. That, 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 it, that there's something very special that God has planned and wants you to experience. That your marriage is very, very, very important to God. And it's a special relationship that he wants you to experience everything he sets out for, for marriage to be. Now for you, those of you who are married, married, that's really important to understand that this is something God himself has established. If you're planning to get married, this is something that you look forward to. That, you know, if you're planning to get married, say, like in Ju- July, maybe, in, on July 2nd or whatever, that this is really important, that you keep this in mind, that this is what marriage is all about. It isn't just a living arrangement. It's a spiritual union. And again, what we see in this is this is God's design for that people to live in community and not to be alone. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody should be married. It doesn't mean that God's design is for everyone to be married. It doesn't mean that that is the, you know, the bestest thing you can do. But he's saying that marriage is something that God has established. And that's where two lives become one. You know? What it all demonstrates to me is this, this is just another example of how we're to live in community. That we're not to be alone. God created us to be in community and not alone. That God has created us to live in community and fellowship with God and with one another. Our lives, that our lives are the fullest. Our lives are the fullest when we are in true community with God and true community with others. That is why, that is why Jesus said that the greatest commandment, right? What is the greatest commandment? above every other commandment, where all the other com- commandments come under these two things. What did he say in Mark 12, <coughs> 29? 
Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That your communion with God is most important. And then he says this. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we weren't meant to be alone. We were meant to live in community with God and others. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Now, if that is God's original design, and if Jesus said that that's the greatest commandment, doesn't it really make a whole lot of sense to, to make it a high, high, maybe the highest priority in our lives to be in community with God and with other people? Doesn't it make sense to align our lives with God's original design for our lives and why he created us? Wouldn't that make sense that we would do that in order for us to truly experience the kind of life, the kind of life that God created us to live? Wouldn't it make, doesn't it make sense to be in alignment? And so the question would be, like, how, do we, how do we do that and get back to what should be the most important thing in our lives, to, to align ourselves with God's plan and be in communi- communion with God and with one another. And the answer is, it is only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said in John fourteen six, Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Very clear that Jesus is the way. If we want to live in alignment with God's design for our lives and in community with God and community with each other, it starts there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's clear. Jesus is the only way. And when we look and we look at God's original plan for mankind, get kind of messed up. And we're going to talk about that next week. You know, how it all got messed up because of sin. You know, but out of God's love for us, God was not willing to let it just go at that. That he sent Jesus to come and what? Exactly what we did in communion. To come and die for us. That we would again be able to be reconciled and be in communion with God. And again to walk in God's original design for our lives. See, That's what's so special about communion. It's a time to remember that this is what God has done for us. That Jesus said, that's the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get in alignment with God's plan, and you want to live life the way God intended you to live, that's where it starts. And it's really clear. And the only way we can fix the mess we face in our lives is through Jesus. And if you're experiencing loneliness today, you're feeling anxiety of facing challenges alone, you know, I mean, you're not alone. It's tough. You know, so many of us, you know, I, I just can't imagine life without my wife. Just cannot. You know, it would be, it would be rough. And, and if you're experiencing anxiety, if you're feeling like life is so overwhelming, out of control, that you feel overwhelmed, you feel alone, and you feel helpless, what God is saying to you is the answer is to get back in alignment with God's original plan for your life. And the good news is that he has provided the way through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I guarantee you, when your life is in alignment, right, and you're living in community the way God intended us for us to live, and you're in communion with God, and your relationship with God is just growing and thriving, and, 
and, and you just sense his presence throughout your day in your life and he's just right there and you have a relationship with him and you have a relationship with other people, you know, your life changes because you know you're not alone. You know God is there no matter what. You know God has brought people around you to encourage you and spur you on. That's God's original design. That's what the creation story means for us today. That God's not through with us. You know, he didn't just create all what we see and say, go have at it. He continues to be personally involved in our lives. And so I want to encourage you today, you know, that, that maybe it's time to get in alignment with God. You know? And the truth is this, how many of you really would like to be aligned with God's plan and purpose for your life? I mean, raise your hand if you would like that, right? We would like that. All of us would like that, right? We would love to be in alignment. And the way to do that is to be in relationship and to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray, all right? And uh, so we're going to ask you, okay, that we're going to pray. And if you want to say, God, you know, I want to be in alignment with your design for my life, then I want you, we're going to pray, we're going to bow our heads, we're going to pray, you just raise your hand. Right? And we're going to pray for you for that. And then we're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you if any of you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. Because that's where it starts. And if that's you, you raise your hand. And then we're going to pray for you. All right? So let's bow our heads, let's pray. Now, if you would like to be aligned with God and His design for you, why don't you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand, all right? And we're going to pray. Father, I just pray for people taking that step of faith, that, man, they want to get in alignment with you. You know, they know that their lives, you know, could be a whole lot better. Will you help them now, God? Will you draw close to them, draw near to them as they draw near to you? That they would grow in their connection with you. I pray throughout this week, they would sense your presence in a real way. When they read your word, that your word would speak to them in a personal way. When they pray, that they would sense you right there as they pray. As they go to work, as they look at work as an act of worship, that they would sense your presence. And all the relationships relationships they have around them, Father, I pray that you would use people around them to spur them on. And maybe they're struggling with a relationship or two. I pray that you would begin to mend that. Now, if you would like to accept Jesus, why don't you raise your hand for that? Let's just pray for that. Okay, good, good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. And we pray this, that Lord Jesus, we need you. That come into my life. That be my savior. Be my way in the truth and the life. That I might be in alignment with God's design for my life. That I trust you. That you died on that cross for me. So that I might live. And begin to walk in the fullness of what God had for me as he created me. Thank you. Thank you. So Father, I pray your blessing that as we continue to story our way through the Bible, that you would speak to us in a real personal way. And all through this week, you would speak to us your words of encouragement that we were meant to live in community and not to be alone. And that you're right here with us. That you haven't left us or forsaken us, that you are here, you're not an absentee God, that you are here and you're personally involved in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Hey, God bless. Um, there might be, there's some food back there, you know, pre-Super Bowl food. You can help yourself there. But you know what? Make connections with people and grow in your relationship with the people around you. God bless.